Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you guys so much for joining us for yet another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And before you change it right now, because you're like, ah, this doesn't sound very good. Something's wrong with the feed. Hopefully it doesn't sound too bad. But like I was telling our folks in Seattle on KTTH, uh, we're, we're doing yeoman's work now. All right. So we are doing this show. I am doing this show from a corner of my hotel room in Mexico on vacation with my wife. And we've had all kinds of tech problems, of course. It's a big joke around the office. I I swear to you guys, I have, I'm like a magnet for tech issues. Uh, if you want to make sure that your computer is running well, you can bring it to our offices anytime and you can let me use it. If I can operate it without any problems, you're good to go. Uh, and, and you're really good to go because if it's gonna act up, it's gonna do it on me. So anyway, I am recording this on a laptop with AirPods, uh, not in a sound studio. I, I The acoustics are pretty good though because I get to sit in front of these windows that have big heavy drape coverage so there shouldn't be a lot of echoing. Um, that should be okay. But anyway, just bear with me. We're, we're, we're making it work. We're fighting through the pain as, as the football coaches used to say and uh, um, got some great stuff for you. A great interview. Uh, did this week back on the on the interview train again with the tech difficulties. I promised I, I said we'd be dropping two. We're dropping one uh, just because I don't want to wait. I I don't want to do another interview this week uh, with the tech limitations we have. I, I thought the one that we had we've got it with Shy Girl Tracy Shukart, the Queen of Crew. That you you guys know we've been trying to put this together for a long time. Uh, we had a great discussion yesterday. I'll be posting that. It may have been posted already, actually. Uh, make sure you check that at, at knowyourriskradio.com or, uh, you know, Googling Know Your Risk Radio podcast. The interviews will pop up and, and you can go from there. So <clears throat> anyway, market update. Let's get into the market update. What's happening this week? Um, <clears throat> and I'm going to get into my my theory that I was teasing, my, my, uh, my way of looking at markets right now. Uh, I'll get into that in just a second, but let's go through the data. Um, I continue to be really flummoxed by the market reaction to news and quarterly reports. Uh, an interesting one this week, there's a couple, there's, there's a, there was an earnings report that I thought was interesting and kind of fits the NVIDIA mold of a company that has an insane valuation that is based off its growth and yet its growth is slowing down and some reason the market likes that. Um, Salesforce, uh, CRM is the ticker for those of you that, uh, for the home gamers out there, um, they announced a quarter this, this year where had you just told me the details of the quarter, I would have thought the stock would have been down 10 to 15%. And why do I say that guys, when you have companies that don't make consistent profits that are profit challenged. If you've got a company like Salesforce, where really they are a roll up, which means the way they stay dominant. And if you think about it, right, they have a CRM and they have a great CRM tool. Like I'm not, again, not a shot at the company or the product. But when you look at how hyper competitive that space is and Salesforce definitely has some moats, certainly more than most in that industry, meaning they've got ways to protect, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're, ways to make it really hard to leave Salesforce, right? So they've got protections built in. But the way that Salesforce grows and defends those moats is through acquisitions, acquiring potential competitors, right? Consolidation. So they're what we refer to as a roll-up, meaning they almost have to... Now, I'm not saying they have to do this in the future, but I'm just saying this is the business model at this point. They almost have to continue to purchase other companies in order to continue growing, right? And because of those purchases, because of what they have to do there, 
the prophets never really show up. They haven't yet. I'm not saying they never will, but they haven't. So when you look at the lofty valuation on the company, I mean, if you look at the financials, there's really only one thing to pin it on. It's the growth rate. Well, when a growth rate company like that begins to slow, I don't really care what other metrics I see right now. Like, let, let, let's say uh, they're a more normal company, more traditional company, or maybe just a regular software company. And let's say that as their growth rate begins to stall, right, or slow, their margins increase, right? Or maybe their revenue gets less volatile or whatever. There's things to offset that, right? Investors aren't unrealistic, meaning just because your growth rate starts slowing down as you become a mature company, uh, it doesn't mean we're going to can your stock. Usually as you become mature, you get more pricing power. Maybe you got some more margins, things like that. There's things to offset. When you look through these companies like NVIDIA and, and, and uh, CRM, and great, again, great tools. We use Salesforce. Uh, again, no knock on it. But it's just really hard to understand what people are thinking. And, and I think this points back to investors continuing to look through the lens of the last cycle. Okay, the growth trumps everything. Not in a world where interest rates are going through the roof, margins are collapsing, economies are slowing, and those, like, it's not like we're waiting for the bad news, right? We're seeing these high multiple companies slow down. So that, that was a little bit confounding, and we talked about the NVIDIA results last week being very similar. Again, not horrible, but you're sitting there going, wait a second, look at the multiple on this thing. Now, Salesforce isn't as expensive as NVIDIA, but... You're looking at the multiple and you're like, okay, this is nosebleed expensive for a stock. Okay, and, and just to review what I mean by that, guys, we mean the same thing for a business. If I'm buying a business that makes a, a million dollars in profit a year, right, and, and it's pretty stable, maybe that's growing by, you know, 10, 15% a year. Let's say it's growing by 10 to 15% a year. If I buy that business for $100 million, it's going to take me a really long time to just get my investment back, let alone be profitable, right? And like I've said to you guys so many times, we get into periods of time. We've been in this for a while. I, I, I don't think it's ever, I think it's the most extreme right now. And the reason I say it's the most extreme right now is because I'm not, we're not sitting here saying, hey guys, growth rates are going to slow down on these things and these things are going to plummet. We're looking at it and saying the growth rates are slowing down right now. We're already seeing it. And yet, a lot of these stocks, many of these stocks are just trying to shake it off like it doesn't matter. And, and I just think it's investors looking through the lens of the, of the last 15 years. And so this kind of gets me, oh, there was another one. There was another interesting response to data this week. There was some like kind of big bullish talk about, look at the PI, PMI numbers for China, China's economic data got released. First of all, we can't trust it. We've got no clue if it's accurate or not. Um, anytime you're looking at Chinese data, I think it's safe to assume it's not accurate, right? Now, is it weak? Is it weaker than it? Is it weaker than stated? Is it stronger than stated? Nobody, I, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. Um, just a lot of, let's put it, let's put it kindly. Let's put it politically correctly. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of wiggle room in the numbers, right? There's a, there's a, there's just a lot of room. There's a lot of movement. Um, but anyway, their PMI data came out, and it was like at 52.8, which is a big bounce. It's the bit best reading they've had in quite a while. And it was kind of pronounced as, oh, this is bullish. Here we go. Um, so let's, let's, take a, let's take a step back and look at this. Their PMI is up, and quite honestly, I would suggest, and that's the uh, Purchasing Managers Index. That's looking at the easiest way to look at that is 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 uh, manufacturing, right? So, purchasing managers index they see more work and more orders coming into the factory, and so they've got to purchase more supplies, right? So it's 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 kind of a an economic output indicator. But the way it works is when the number is above fifty, that means that it is growing, right? So that means that purchasing managers are buying more stuff. When that number goes below 50, it means it's contracting. Well, think about it this way, and I don't have a year's worth of China's data, but it hasn't been good, right? So think about it this way. If you had a full year of PMIs in the low 40s, meaning contracting and contract, contracting sharply, and if you had one month or one quarter of a little bit of an off tick or a bounce from that, 
your PMIs would turn sharply positive, right? So it's not an absolute indicator. It's not sitting there going, well, PMIs at 52, everything's going great. And you're like, well, yeah, but it just spent a year and a half sub 45, right? So meaning that is a small bounce to reclaim the peaks you fell from. And I was watching the way that this data was getting hyped and I just couldn't help but laughing. Not because I disagree with it or I think it's stupid or I think it's a lie, but this is a little bit different than the earnings. My opinion to the earnings is, I mean, look, I'm, I'm giving you the numbers as they are, right? It's, it's indisputable. But the way we interpret earnings is subjective by very nature, right? Well, obviously, I thought they were bad. Clearly, other people didn't. PMI data, economic data like that, there isn't any subjectivity. Was that a bad print by China? No, but what did they just do? They just opened back up. So they're coming from zero, right? Like they've literally had big chess sections of their economy shut down. So of course, when they open that up, you're going to see a bounce in PMIs. But it doesn't mean that things are great, right? That things are bullish. So anyway, this gets to my point about how I'm beginning to look at this market and how I'm beginning to rationalize it. And quite honestly, at this point, it really is the only framework that I think fits or that makes any sense. And what I think you've got, guys, is I think we have two separate markets, okay? We have the markets that have been driven by the dynamics of 0% interest rates and overactive and overinvolved central banks and the record low interest rates, right? The story of the last 15 years. Which, which was mother to the largest and biggest bull market and longest bull market in U.S. history, culminating by one of the most dramatic blow-off tops in my mind, you know, the, 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 COVID, the COVID boom. It's still weird to say. The COVID boom. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the portfolio was hurting until we had a global pandemic and shut down the economy and things really took off. It's a, it's a, weird, it's a weird world we're living in, folks. Um, but anyway, it, I think we're seeing a bifurcated market. And I think that you have this market that refuses to die and is is kind of dying a death of a thousand cuts at this point. You know, just it, those stocks aren't working. Now they're, oh, they're up this year. Yeah, a week and a half ago, everybody was talking about breakout to new all-time highs. Here we are again, right? Um, I just think it's a chop fest and I've, I've been saying that for months and I just think we're going to keep seeing that. The other market, and this is kind of, I think this is the good news. The reason this chop fest has gotten us, because I think these two markets are constantly battling. The other market is accepting the different environment and it's beginning to change. Things that, you know, uranium, commodities are working like they haven't over the last 12 or 15 years. Uh, infrastructure plays, things that, things that benefit from infrastructure spending, right? Materials, those things are starting to work. And I just think that you've got this bifurcation. You've got these two paradigms battling each other. And I think it's very clear, and I think history is clear about which will win. When, though, who knows? Uh, the, the, the speculative fervor that is still in this market, considering the last 14 months, is pretty remarkable and pretty unprecedented. And the illogical and insane things and risks that investors are taking is pretty unique and pretty remarkable, again, given the last, um, you know, given, given, given the last couple years, right? Uh, but that, that speculation continues. And guys, this, and I want to talk more about this. I've ran out of time in this segment because I, I, I want to discuss this more because I really do think it is the key going forward. But this goes to risk management even more. When I talk to retail people, they are still clinging to the last war. The things they don't want to sell are still the high price tech stuff. All, vast majority of your portfolios are still way overexposed to these kinds of things, right? And you certainly don't have any type of risk management mechanism. Okay, guys, we were talking to you about this last year. We were saying going into last year, you need to diversify your portfolio. You've got to unconcentrate from tech or you're going to get hit. You got to get out of bonds. Okay. You got hammered last year. Most of you did. Okay. You're like, well, it's coming back this year. It, it's just setting you up for another one. Okay. Like I've been saying constantly, learn the lesson. The lesson isn't the performance of your portfolio last year, 
right? The lesson is the breakdown of the principles underlying your portfolio. The bonds were supposed to buffer your stock risk. What happened last year is not an anomaly. If you don't believe me, go back and listen to seven years of radio shows where I've been telling you this isn't going to work. Your bonds are going to get smoked right alongside your stocks. The question you should be asking yourselves as investors is, how did I know that? And I don't mean because I'm magic. I'm just saying, how did I? Because the game has changed. The paradigm has shifted. That setup no longer works. Stocks are going down because inflation and interest rates are going up. Okay, that isn't going to change all of a sudden. It's just not. More importantly, you're going into what looks like a guaranteed recession from us. And guys, I know a lot of people are coming out now going, well, higher for longer and we don't see a recession now. Whatever. We'll see where we're at at the end of the year. I think it is insanity that people legitimately think you can run 0% interest rates for, with, with quantitative easing and the Fed balance sheet running up to $7 trillion. And then you can just automatically flip and jack rates 500 basis points in the space of 18 months and that there aren't going to be problems. I mean, think about that. So could I be wrong? Obviously, right? We can always be wrong. But what seems more likely to you? What seems most likely to me is a year from now, investors looking back and going, oh man, how, how did we not see that coming, right? Like interest rates going, how did we think, if we believe in monetary policy, if we believe that low interest rates, right, are so stimulative and drove the, 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 drove the last cycle, which I think, it's, I, I think it's virtually impossible to argue that's not the case then how can you also simultaneously say that you don't think this is, and I mean, here's the other thing. You're not, we're seeing it go that way. Again, this is one of the craziest things that, one of the parts about this market that is so hard for me to look at. You've got pockets of strong data, but but it's inflationary. It's not, you know, it's not people out there, at least my interpretation of the data, it's not people out there buying because they feel so good and positive about things. Right. It's it's it was like that. It was like the consumer spending report that came out. The consumer spending was up three point two percent. Everybody's like, oh, man, the consumer's so strong. And you're like, hey, guys, consumer spending number isn't adjusted for inflation. So call me crazy. But if you got six point five percent inflation and you got consumer spending growing at three point two percent. That ain't bullish. Right. It ain't bullish. And I. I, it's hard for me to grasp the bullish narrative here, but that's what brings me back to this whole bifurcated market thing. And this is why I'm so adamant, you guys, about needing a risk management strategy, right? Wouldn't you just like to be sitting back in a port? And I'll just tell you, this is the way we're positioned right now. It just is. Wouldn't you like to be sitting back in a portfolio where you're like, well, <clears throat> if the worst case scenario plays out, we're good. And if we're completely wrong and it's not as bad as Zach thinks he is, thinks it is. Uh, then we'll make some money. You know what you call that, guys? You call that a retirement portfolio, right? Where you're not going to get blown up and killed regardless of what happens. But we're still going to grow. We've still got upside exposure. You got to wake up, guys. And and, and we said this for years on the radio. I, I know I know how this plays out. A lot of you have been listening for a while. A lot of you agree with a lot of Don't call us after you're down another 20. That's not good risk management, right? Do it now. You're like, well, Zach, you know, we've got to wait for things to bounce. What, what, what things do you think are going to bounce back? Had you said that about Microsoft stock in the year 2000, it would have eventually bounced back, but it took 13 years, which for most of you makes up about 60% of your retirement. Do you have 60% of your retirement to wait for things to quote unquote bounce back? What you need is for things to not bounce away in the first place, okay? Risk management, and it doesn't cost, guys. It gives you more upside. It lowers your cost, drastically reduces your risk, okay? It's what every retirement portfolio should, should be. Give us a call, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, boardcapitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. There's a better way. Been saying it for seven years, almost eight now. Holy smokes. Uh, there's a better way. Call us, guys, and all we do, we just, we just sit down and go, hey, okay, here's the deal. It, we usually get on the phone, if you talk to me or one of our advisors, usually get on the phone, usually a 30 to 45 minute call, 
gather the information from you, get what you're currently in, and then we go, all right, thank you. We're going to call you back in a week. You go, oh, what do you call me back in a week for? Well, we're going to take all the information you gave us, and we're going to build a portfolio that we would put you in if you were one of our clients. And then in our next call, we're going to compare the two portfolios, both what's in them, how they work, how they're built, the performance, the cost. And then we go, there you go. Call us if you want to move forward. We're not, we're not going to hound you, right? We're not going to be knocking at your doorstep every other day. We're not going to call you for six months. Guys, we don't need to. We're looking for partners in this, right? We're either going to click or we're not. But what I'm saying is just open your eyes to other solutions before circumstances force you to do it, right? Act while you can as opposed to when you are forced, all right? Buy insurance before the fire, right? Call us, 866-779-RISK, and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, or capitalmanagement.com. Follow me on Twitter, at KLYR Radio. Also, got the great interview with Tracy Shukart coming up. Uh, I don't think we're going to have it on the show, but we're posting it this week. You're not going to want to miss it. If you listen to the interview, which you should, all about oil and energy, what's going on, what can we expect going forward, um, just subscribe to the podcast, would you? It doesn't cost anything, and more subscription numbers we get, better guests it drives, all that other kind of stuff. So anyway, stick with us through the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Do better in bull markets. Do better in bear markets. Pay less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, The Bulwark Insider Report, at knowyourriskradio.com. If you're retired or headed there, is your portfolio positioned for a successful retirement? Well, with the state of the economy right now, risk management has never been more important. Join Bulwark Capital's Zach Abraham for his free live webinar March 23rd to learn how their risk management strategy and active management of portfolios can actually lower their volatility. It is a free live webinar. Todd, protecting retirement portfolios against loss is our number one focus. Our live webinar is a fully transparent look into the Bulwark investment strategy. We'll show you how it worked last year as well as in previous years and why a basic 60-40 stock bond mix is outdated and a big risk in today's economy. Learn how our risk management strategy can help protect your retirement. Join Zach March 23rd at 3 p.m. Pacific time. It's free, but space is limited. Register now at knowyourriskradio.com and learn about Bulwark's risk management strategy and performance. That's knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advisory services offered through Truck Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back, but not for long. Uh, <laughs> Just a quick little little filler here uh, to tie up what, what we were talking about, the bifurcated markets there, guys. So, um, you know, we've talked a lot about framework in recent past, and I, I, I'm just a big believer that you need to understand the environment you're operating in, and you need to understand what the risks are. You need to understand what the psychology is. And and you looking at it through that bifurcated lens is really the only way to give us answers. Uh, and it's really the only thing that makes sense to me because – if we look at the movements of asset prices and, and stock prices and things like that, it, you may agree with it, you may not. What I what, what I will tell you is that they should just they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. Not with rates going up the way they are. Not the inflation data we're getting. So as we were saying, what does that lead us to believe? It just leads us to believe that risk management is going to be even more important going forward, and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. So call us eight six six seven seven nine risk. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Stick us through with us through the break. We will be right back. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. We're talking with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now as you see it? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Due to all the money printing from central banks in the long period of zero interest rates, some serious inflation has hit, I'm sure you're aware. 
and inflation crushes bonds. We've been talking about it for seven years. If your portfolio has a significant portion of bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy. You do need one. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy. This shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still get market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Okay, so now this is kind of piggybacking off of that whole bifurcated market outlook. Um, and, and then and kind of taking it in my mind just a step further, right? Again, we want to understand our environment, right? Uh, we don't want to be like the fish. I always thought that this was a funny exercise. Um, I think it, it, it's, it's a little parable, you know, where the, the, the what was it? It was like a sea turtle or, or somebody was underwater and swam up to the fish and was like, hey, how's the water? And the fish were like, what water? Right, because the, the water's always been there constant. That's their environment. They're they're so used to it, they don't even know it's there. Right? We don't want to be the fish. We want to constantly be knowing what environment we are in. What is the state of the water in which we are swimming? Right? Because as investors, that's kind of important. And why is that important? Like I've said, guys, um, and and this is the crux of why it's so amusing to watch tech rally exuberantly. And it's not right. I mean, last, you know, like I said, week and a half ago, we were on the edge of breakout and it's a new bull market, according to Jim Cramer. And then whack tech gets knocked for, you know, a seven, eight, 9% drawdown over the course of a week and a half or two weeks. So I, you know, I'm looking at it and going, this is just the spin cycle that we've been in continuing that we've been talking about. Um, and, and market rotations occurring, meaning I just, I think what you're watching and, you know, I keep going back to the to, to the outlook that we had at the end of 2021, and I just think it's I'll just keep going back to that. It's going to be a knife fight. It's going to be a mess. We should see things like energy and inflationary aspects doing better and trending better in terms of having more of a defined upside. But we're going to go through these periods of times where that stuff's going to get smoked and tech's going to rip again, even when there's no reason. Why? Because that's what's worked for 15 years. Okay, and it's just that simple. And what's a bigger driver of that? And this was something I had in my notes. If we can, why are people doing that? What, what you know, for those fundamental investors like you and I out there, or maybe you're not, but I certainly am. You know, it's totally normal to ask yourself, what's driving this? What do they see that we don't? Could we be wrong? And the answer to all, those are questions we got to keep asking ourselves, right? Because that's the one thing with investing is. Strong convictions loosely held means we change our opinion when the facts warrant it, right? But if we want to understand, you know, because I think our attitude is so much, well, and not just to me, but, but to other investors, if it doesn't play out the way that we're talking about and if tech continues to rally or, you know, people will be like, well, you know, you just got that one wrong, right? Or they just think, hey, you know, market market's right. You got to go with what the market says. That's what I think is so dangerous about this environment because the market is saying certain things. Now, I mean, go if you look at the trajectory of the kinds of stocks that we're talking about that should be getting beat up and the ones that we aren't, like the energy and all that kind of stuff, I mean, the trends are obviously there. So, you know, it, that's not completely out of whack. But, but if you're having a hard time understanding why some of these multiples have expanded, why NVIDIA now with slowing growth and an annual revenue decline is worth double the valuation they were trading at at the end of 2019, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? If you want to know, it, I just think that you have to look as far as what drove the entire bubble, right? First of all, you know, this is where we kind of look at the way bubbles are formed. And we've talked, we've done shows on this before, anatomy of a bubble. Typically, they don't come out of nowhere. Usually, they're based in fact or reality, right? And if we want to look at the recent bubble, I think the entire thing has been driven by the meteoric rise and supremacy of Apple, of Microsoft, 
of Amazon and the unbelievable job those companies have done and the unbelievable results. And it just created this sense of inevitability and this sense of uh, uh, indestructibility, right? In this sense of you just can't lose with these kinds of stocks. And for those of us close to it, we look at it and cite, yeah, but the revenue growth and the profit, we're looking at the fundamentals and going, yeah, they're amazing companies, right? But we also know that this market has a record number of retail investment inputs into it. And again, I don't mean this in a pejorative way, but generally speaking, retail investors as a class buy stocks for far different reasons than professional investors do. Right? Why? Yeah, and, and that's and that's why I just sit there and I say, you know, you get to the end of, you know, you get to the end of 2001, 2002. If people, if if investors owned some of those high flying stocks that got absolutely crushed in the net, they wouldn't even tell you, right? They didn't want to admit it. They were. You sit down with the average investors today; it's still all tech all the time. And I I, sit, I do this all the time, right? It's still all tech all the time. Why? Because it worked, right? Like we know. And B, these are not fundamental investors. Right? So it's one of the things I have to remind myself all the time. Why in the world are people, you know why they're doing it. They're doing it because they're not reading the fundamentals. Does that seem crazy to me? Yeah. Do I know that the vast majority of, of investors work that way though? Yes. Right? So how do we tell how much that retail domination is still taking place? A really easy way to say it, and we've been talking about this for the last several weeks, but if you go look, was it last week or the week before where you looked at all of the stock volume that traded on the New York Stock Exchange? 44% of all of the volume trading on the New York Stock Exchange was made up of zero date to expiry, zero day to expiry options, right? The most degenerate form of gambling investing that exists. You buy an option at the beginning of the day, and if the stock closes at or above that mark, you make money. If the stock doesn't, you lose everything in a day. The option has one day. It is com- it's, it is the investment equivalent of walking up to a roulette table and betting on black, but if black only made up 5% of the spaces on the wheel. Because remember, all options, if we look at options as a rule, of options retire worthless. They expire worthless. Okay, so what do you know? What you know are people driving stocks or returns and their own portfolios using these options. It is a mathematical certainty that they will blow up, right? It's just a matter of time. You cannot roll the dice that many times and stay solvent when you're making those kinds of bets. Okay, but more, most importantly, I think that that zero day to expiry thing is going to be a wonderful gauge, guys, to judge when the bifurcation of these two markets has stopped, where they've, where we've actually consolidated and resumed a sane posture, a posture built on fundamentals. And I'm not saying that their bets are right or wrong on the zero data. I'm just telling you. When you see zero data expiry options making up 44% of all the volume on the New York Stock Exchange, what you know, regardless of what anybody on CNBC says, just t- throw it, right? Don't tell me what you think. Tell me what you see. And what I will tell you is that when you see zero data expiry options making up 44% of the volume trading on the New York Stock Exchange, that you are in an intensely speculative market phase. Okay, now what should you do historically in intensely speculative market stages? You should stay away from whatever is ground zero of the speculation. People are like, you should short it. Sure, but you gotta make sure you gotta make sure that you don't suffer a Tesla-like situation, right? Things can stay sporty, things can stay expensive, markets can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. You know, I you guys know my thoughts about NVIDIA. Right In my personal account, I want to be short that thing. I'm not recommending you do it. One of the reasons I'm not recommending you do it is I've got tight stops on that and I'm watching it. And I understand, look, NVIDIA shouldn't be at 235 anyway. Okay, so if it's already off the rails, if you don't think, you know, what's the difference between NVIDIA being at 230 or 330? To me, nothing. 
I, I think both are ridiculous. It's just the level of ridiculousness, right? So how do we know though, when the coast is clear, I, I like, for instance, I, and I'll just tell you, I, until I see that zero day to expiry option thing, get back into the bands of normal, which it should make up a small fraction of the volume on a New York stock exchange or any other exchange or market. Um, I, I think that that's going to be a wonderful barometer. That and then watching the stocks that are at the speculative heart of it, right? The Carvanas, Tesla's more real, but still Tesla's, a, it's a crowd favorite, right? It is a barometer of that group of investors. NVIDIA is obviously one. Twilio, ARK, ARKK, th those, those are certainly part of them too. Again, not making any comments about Twilio. Twilio looks like a good company that's doing well. That's actually got um, a valuation that, that it's, it's one we're digging into. I, I don't know a whole lot about the company and there's some things that don't look quite right. But it, when you look at the growth rates and all that kind of stuff and the valuations, the valuations aren't completely insane with that one. But that's th this is where you know, you're not going to see, in my opinion, you were just not going to see Markets return to normal and things, and they go, well, Zach, what do you mean by return to normal? 18 different ways. If you look at the, I mean, haven't you just noticed this, that every time we think we're on the edge of a breakout, we get smacked back down. Every time the bears think that we're about to plummet to new lows, the market, it's just a chop fest. And what you're watching is just rolling volatility and all these stocks are just going up, down, up, down, up, down, treasuries, up, down, up, down, up, down. Why? I, again, I think the market is still trying to play the Fed, and I don't think they're paying attention to all what's actually going on in the economy. You've got 30-year mortgage rates now above 7% again. Guys, if you, don't think, I, just, if you don't think these things lead to recession, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. I, and I honestly don't think if we were in any other period of time that there'd be anybody out there doubting that. I just think that you have seen central banks and the conjuring of money and liquidity float markets incessantly for so long. I just think people are having a really hard time changing their tune, right? Or, or you know, adjusting to the new normal um, and realizing that that game just doesn't work. And I, you know, I just, I think it's going to be tough sledding. The reason why, and again, I'm not making excuses, guys, and, and, and I don't ever want it to come across that way. It's not me crying that our stuff isn't working better. But, um, <laughs> I mean, when you, yeah, it's the, the valuation. When you look at what people are passing up on and what they're buying, it's just, it's, it's mind numbing. Meaning if, if you were a rational, regular investor that was really doing things on a fundamental basis, nobody, you wouldn't be making these decisions. It's ridiculous. And just because there's, it's just pure speculation. It's just, Hey, I think the stock's going to go up. Well, I think it's going to go down. Okay. What do you base that off of? Well, this guy said that. What about the fundamentals? What are you talking about? What are, you, what are you talking about? So, so, um, and then, like I said, I think the big giveaway too is one of the things that we've always said in speculative bubbles is wait till, wait till the results start showing up, right? Wait till we start seeing the earnings declines and the revenue decreases and things like that. And then investors will start to wise up. That's happened a little bit. I mean, the NASDAQ is certainly, you know, still off what, 25, 28% from its high. So it's still a little bit, but then you look at the valuation of the underlying index and it's still through the roof. It's crazy. It's trading at better than 30 times earnings. On the, on the NASDAQ, not the S&P. So anyway, as always, guys, I'll just keep going back to it. What does it mean? What does all this mean? What all this means is the turmoil, I think, is going to continue. I don't think the bulls or the bears are going to win in any short order. I think that you're range bound. And I think it's just sort of a waiting game. I think you've got to let this speculative fervor die down. Maybe it's got another run left in it. I don't know. But here's the other thing. What are we doing here? What are we talking about? We're talking about retirement. Okay, we're talking about the financing of the rest of your life. What do what should we automatically know when we're having that discussion? That loss, failure is not an option. So if we all acknowledge that failure is not an option, shouldn't you have a portfolio that can at the very least stand up to the worst case scenario in the current environment and truthfully any worst case scenario? Right? If, if this pile of money is meant to last you the rest of your life and be your lifeblood, be your financial wind, shouldn't we make sure, like, don't, aren't you looking out there today going, I certainly see the ability for a really nasty outcome. And then I look at stock valuations and I realize how still high they are above their long term. 
And I'm not saying that I think the market's going to drop 40 or 50 percent for me. And I'm not talking about me. I'm, 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 I'm acting as if I'm one of you guys. Right. But and, 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 and kind of simulating that thought process. Shouldn't you at least look at this setup and go, I could see how this setup would bring me another uh, an additional 30 to 40 percent hit on top of the pain I took last year. And guys, look, I've said before, I don't think that's my base case. I think you're going to see my, my base case is you keep seeing this conflict between the two markets. And what I am referring to is the adult market slowly winning over time and the child fanciful Peter Pan market slowly losing. But boy, those Peter Pan people are persistent, right? So there's going to be that pull. It's going to be that knife fight we've been talking about. Um, but it's, I, you know, look, cash flows and fundamentals will always win out over time, right? So we want to bet on the sure thing. Cash flows will eventually, What when is eventual? I don't know. What I need to know, I know two things though. A, when that does turn, we need to be there to take advantage of it, right? And I think we should be positioning for that right now because of the valuations and, the, and, and how many great opportunities there are in, in real stuff, right? Stuff that isn't caught up in the nonsense. So I think we should be positioning for that now, okay? But what do I simultaneously know in this marketplace? I need to be able to benefit from growth, from real growth, from cash flow to offset the, the, the impacts of inflation. And I need to do so in such a way that I'm not overly exposed, right? I need to manage risk. Guys, I don't think that that is a controversial statement. What I'm trying to tell you is that your portfolio that you're in doesn't do that. Doesn't do it at all. Where was it last year? So here's, here's your option. You either acknowledge that it is broken, you acknowledge that you need to fix, or I will just promise you, you're going to listen over the next year to two years, your financial advisor continue to tell you things like, well, it's just never happened that way before. And who could have seen it coming? And, you know, we just have to stick with it. I, I can tell you right now what they're going to say. So the question you got to ask yourself is, do you want to be around long enough to have that conversation? Or do you not want to have to have that conversation? Because you don't need to. We can build a portfolio that wins more in the up markets, but that does not expose you to catastrophic loss. You don't have to pick. Call us, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. Call us, get our free common sense investment uh, booklet that will walk you through our process. This is not a get you in the door, sneak you in here, and then keep you here. This is not a timeshare sales, right? <laughs> we, we, we don't want that, guys. We don't want to strong-arm people. Those We don't want clients that have been strong-armed. We want partners, Okay, so call us, inform yourself, just educate yourself. How do they do this? And let me see their performance. Let me see if they really do what they say they're going to do. Just check it out. If you like it, great, become a client. If you don't, at least you leave a more informed investor. Anyway, got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. And as always, call us 866-779-RISK. We'll be right back. Stick with us through the break. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. If you're retired or headed there, is your portfolio positioned for a successful retirement? Well, with the state of the economy right now, risk management has never been more important. Join Bulwark Capital's Zach Abraham for his free live webinar March 23rd to learn how their risk management strategy and active management of portfolios can actually lower their volatility. It is a free live webinar. Todd, protecting retirement portfolios against loss is our number one focus. Our live webinar is a fully transparent look into the Bulwark investment strategy. We'll show you how it worked last year as well as in previous years and why a basic 65 40 stock bond mix is outdated and a big risk in today's economy. Learn how our risk management strategy can help protect your retirement. Join Zach March 23rd at 3 p.m. Pacific time. It's free, but space is limited. Register now at knowyourriskradio.com and learn about Bulwark's risk management strategy and performance. That's knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advisory services offered through Truck Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for sticking with us. 
All right. In this final segment, it's a little bit of a shorter segment. We've got about seven and a half minutes here. And I was having a conversation with my wife last night that, that kind of spurred something in my head that I wanted to discuss on the show. So let's kind of title this a philosophical wandering, if you will, or a life lesson from Zach. Now, it's entirely possible you may not want a life lesson from me. Uh, I am certainly not all-knowing, and uh, we could do a whole week of shows on my shortcomings um, and, and, and mess-ups and mistakes. So, but, but there are some things that I've learned in my life. Um, and we were, the conversation my wife and I were having were about our kids and what we want to see from them in terms of, you know, academically, um, most importantly, you know, personhood their spiritual life, who they are as an individual, right? Those kinds of things. And um, with one of our kids, first of all, they're brilliant. Uh, I'm not just saying that because I'm their dad. I like my kids are, they take after their mom. Um, They're very, very smart. And, uh, but one of them is, it's it's my oldest, my daughter. She's, she's got a streak of her dad in her. And I, I just think regular school gets kind of boring. She's got a very active mind. And, Turning in stuff, staying on track has been has been a challenge for her. And I had a similar uh, situation. School just anything really outside of history, um, to some degree math when I was younger, and um, you know just literature, just reading. Everything else was just kind of boring. Like I knew I wasn't going to be a scientist. Um, you know, I just it was it was it, and it still is to this day. It's it's hard for me to really engage into something that I'm not mentally intrigued by. Right. Like it's I'm kind of like a dog, you know, like a like, like a hound dog. Right. Like if I catch a smell, like forget about it. My nose is going to lead me there and I don't need to worry about staying focused. Right. I'm just locked on. But if I don't catch a smell, it can be sort of hard to, to grab on. Right. And one of the things that we were discussing is, is what do we want? What, what do we want our emphasis to be? Do we want it to be on outputs? Do we want to say you have to have straight A's or you have to do this? And I just kind of went back to my schooling and, and what I learned most importantly from uh, uh, multiple of my football coaches, most profoundly, though, would be my college football coach, uh, Frosty Westering. And, and what he taught us completely changed my life. And outside of God's good grace and blessing uh, has been the number one reason for the success that Bulwark has had. Um and, and that, what that, and we can apply it to all levels of our life. And I think it is so important. And, and this ties back into, into investing here. So, so don't think I'm just going off on a soft touch philosophical uh, segment here. But, but what, what, we, what I came down to in the discussion with my wife was I want to have my children focused on inputs. I don't want my children focused on results. Okay. Why? Because you can't manufacture results, right? Results are the results are the result of a process, right? Outcomes are the end result of a practice or of a philosophy, right? And we live in a society today where we focus so much on the outcomes or the results, right? How often do we hear people say, I just want to be rich. There's a song is I want to be a millionaire, right? Don't tell me what you want the end result to be. That's nothing to me. It's a dream. It's a fantasy. It's like a, an adult version of a Christmas wish list, right? Let's instead focus on the process. Let's focus on what the inputs are to the point where we should be ignoring the end results so much so that other people should think it's almost irresponsible. Why? Because they believe a lie. They believe a fallacy, a logical fallacy. If you just think about it, the same is true in golf. One of the greatest putting tips I ever got was to keep your head down even far after you hit the putt. Why is that? Because the only thing you should be focused on is the contact between the putter and the ball. Nothing after that matters. So your whole process should be built purely around that point of impact, right? Nothing else. You shouldn't be looking up to see where it goes because that won't influence it one way or the other. But what looking up can do is it can change the trajectory of your body. You can look up too early and it can it can really subtly change the angle, 
right, of the way you're holding the club. And and I, I'm just telling you, if you're a golfer out there, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, go try it. Go look and then practice keeping your head down after you hit the putt for like count to five. Okay. Why does that work? Because you're focused on the process. The only part that actually matters. You don't have any influence after the ball leaves the putter head. You don't control the outcome. You do control the input. You control your effort. And, and, and this coincides with investing right along the same lines. One of the things we've had very good performance over the last two, two well, over this last four year cycle. And have really, you know, and I'm not saying that to brag. But I've had conversations with clients that have been prospective clients that have been really impressed. And I'll stop them all the time and go, whoa, whoa, guys, I appreciate it. Thank you. We're happy with the results as well. But I don't want you signing on to us because of the performance. Okay, performance will be there. Sometimes it's going to wax and wane. What I want you to sign on to is because you believe in the process. You believe in the philosophy. Right. Because the performance will come and go. Believing in the philosophy. Now, do I am I saying that our performance is going to come and go? It's not. No, because why? Because we're focused on risk management, which is the number one thing that all retirement portfolios should have and don't. But but by now, should the performance over the long run show the efficacy of the approach? Yeah, it should. If it, if it doesn't, then the approach isn't correct. Right. But what I'm saying is we know what the approach is in investing. We all do. What it's not buying into the madness, it's being patient and not getting too caught up in short-term results. It's just much harder to do it in practice, right? We're all much more emotional than we think. So how do we conquer that? By putting in principles, by putting in foundational principles that like when this happens, this is what we do. Well, what if that means you make a little less? Sometimes it will. But what does it also mean? It also means that if we stick to our process, we will never have a catastrophic outcome, right? Just like life. Focus on the inputs. And one of the inputs is for you to call us, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website. Guys, there's a better way. You don't have to gamble your future, okay? We can make more, pay less with way less risk. Give us a call, 866-779-RISK. We got to to go. We'll see you next week. Don't forget to listen to Tracy Shoot. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.